Welcome to Consensus, a podcast from Census Technologies. Hello and welcome to the Consensus Podcast brought to you by the experts at Census. I am your host, Hillary Kennedy with MarketScale, and today's episode is going to uncover if instrument tracking data can be a resume goldmine for your career. You know, we want to understand the recruiting challenges sterile processing departments are facing today, how real department data can improve an SPD resume, and identify the value of recruiting on key performance indicators based on that real data. So joining me to share some insight and real-world application is Hank Balch, the founder and president of Beyond Clean. This is an interesting background. He began his career in instrument reprocessing as a frontline technician back in 2009. He's an award-winning sterile processing leader, a conference speaker, a well-known industry writer, a blogger, a social media connoisseur. He's written over 150 sterile processing articles with his work being published in Becker's Hospital Review and Infection Control Today, Healthcare Purchasing News, and so many others all across the globe. Hank, you are a busy guy, so thanks for taking time. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it, Hillary. It's a pleasure to be here. And the one accomplishment that's not on my bio, actually, is I'm also a father, and we've got our third little one on the way. So we're super excited about that. Oh, uh, congratulations. Coming in early June. And it's going to be a girl. So I've got two boys and I'm going to have to learn how to be a girl dad now. <laughs> so well, I've heard about. that's the best thing in the world. I've heard little that's what girls I've been told. just adore their dads. They're the heroes. So that's going to right. be a lot of fun. Well, congratulations. Yeah, and out of all the things you do, that's the hardest job for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah. And it's interesting. You know, I remember the first job I took in a pediatric facility doing sterile processing. And that was around the time that we had our first and making that connection between these pediatric patients and sterile processing and just the critical nature. Like it's always critical, you know, we don't want anyone to get a surgical site infection, but it's that much more emotional, maybe when you see the little ones going into surgery and knowing uh, there is no margin for error. We have to get this right. And so, yeah, the fatherhood piece is definitely kind of baked into everything else, you know, that not only I do, but I know in the industry as well, that that connection to the family member and in the community at large, like this is a, it's a very personal industry on top of all the science and all the regulatory Absolutely. It really forces you to kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes and you, you really feel the weight of that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, you know, while we're talking about that, you know, unlike with nurses, there is a low barrier to entry for sterile processing technicians since there's no required associates or bachelor's program to enter the workforce. So I would love your thoughts on how does this affect the industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a big debate. It's going on for, uh, least a decade now, if not more. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. When you have a low barrier to entry, it means that guys like me with no medical background can stroll in, apply, and uh, get a job. I came from a background with agriculture. In my undergrad, I was working uh, as a stalker at Walmart. A stalker, not a stalker. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I strolled in, put my application in, and that's how I ended up in healthcare, which is good. You know, It provides us a lot of flexibility for who can come to grow and learn sterile processing. The downside is anytime you have a low barrier to entry to a career, that often means that your pay grade is low. And it means that the barrier to exit 
is also low because unlike with nursing, as you mentioned, we're not going to school. We're not spending thousands of dollars typically to get trained to do sterile processing. So if a competitive opportunity comes down the line, it's that much easier for us uh, to pull the plug and say, okay, I gave sterile processing a shot and now I'm going to go give something else a shot because you're really not losing anything except for your time. Well, so it sounds like there are probably some recruiting challenges there and healthcare recruiters and department managers, they've really struggled to reliably differentiate between the value of candidates who are applying to their open positions. Why do you think that is? We love our healthcare recruiters out there. God bless them. They uh, try. So this is not a knock against them as people or professionals. But they got a lot on their plates and their primary focus oftentimes are these roles that they kind of label clinical. Like I believe sterile processing is also a clinical role, but if they focus on the nursing recruiting, you know, for instance, is a big push. There's always far more nurses that need to be recruited than sterile processing technicians. So they spend a the majority of their days looking at those profiles, looking at those job postings and descriptions, and then they get to sterile processing and we often fall in a bucket that's um, similar to the candidates that they would be recruiting for environmental service, dietary, uh, even materials management sometimes. And all four of those roles are extremely important to the admission of healthcare, but they all are very different. And the technician that makes a great dietary technician, for instance, that delivers food is gonna be a different style of candidate than sterile processing. So one of the biggest breakdowns is just these recruiters don't really know or understand the complexity of these departments. But the second one, and this is kind of more along the lines of our conversation today, in the past, there's not been real data that's uh, present in the application process and the resume process and the interview process for these sterile processing technicians that allows them to differentiate themselves and that allows these recruiters to see on paper that this person is good at these things, not good at these things, better at these things than their peers who may be applying for the job. And again, yeah, that has just not been present in the past, but I think that's a huge opportunity that is now available to us. Absolutely. And I, I, I love that we're discussing this. I think it's going to be so helpful for so many people. And I, I would love to pretend, let's say you and I are both recruiters. What are some key performance indicators that would be helpful for us to see on a resume? So I'll use an analogy um, around baseball cards. And in the 80s, when I grew up as a kid, it, it was real common for little boys to collect baseball cards. And you see the stats of all your favorite players. And it's kind of how you can tell the difference between an all-star player and maybe a rookie. In our industry, historically, the only way that you could differentiate is through years of experience and then through credentials. And there's a number of different credentials that are available for folks out there today. Uh, but those are the only two metrics. And honestly, this is my opinion, but I think there's some folks in the industry that share this opinion. That's not a clear differentiator. It would kind of be saying, hey, everybody who has their driver's license can drive the same level of uh, quality and safety. Um, and we can all say, if you live in a big city, that is not true. Just because <laughs> you have a driver's license doesn't mean you know what you're doing. That's right. And so what I'm arguing for and advocating for is the kinds of data 
and statistics that actually tell a story that's tied to you as an individual technician. The other error kind of that we see out there and the common, uh, if there is data on a resume, the common data that we see is data about the department. You know, so my department has, you know, 30 employees. Maybe we have a budget of this million dollars. We support this many surgeries. All that data is important, but it's kind of like saying, yeah, I was on the team for the Patriots the year that they won the Super Bowl. But it's not saying I was sitting on the bench when they won the Super Bowl. Like, what did you actually contribute to that championship season. So to drill that down then, we want data that can say, I contributed this to the productivity, to the efficiency, to the quality, to the safety of my department. And some of those data points would include things like total instruments process, total trays assembled. Importantly, the percentage of productivity of your department. So let's say that there's 10 technicians in your department. If you're carrying more than 10% of the productive load in your department, that's saying something very valuable about you as a candidate as compared to your peers. And if you look at our clinical peers in the perioperative space and the operating room space, especially surgeons, you know, for instance, they have data coming out of their ears. You know, they have key performance indicators that say all kinds of things about how good of a surgeon they are, how quick they are, how qualitative they are. All those things are, are very important, you know, for them to make the case for how much they get paid or what kind of like awards and growth opportunity, promotion opportunity they get as surgeons. Well, for sterile processing, there's a lot of data that's around us and available to us. And again, to date, I don't think we've taken as much advantage of them as we could. Well, so I would love to know in, in your opinion, will having this hard data, will this help the employers take a step toward finally paying for productivity and quality rather than just the experience alone, because as you mentioned, you know, just having experience doesn't necessarily make a great differentiator. Right. And then how will this also put the employee in a better position when they're fielding offers? So this is the first disruptive step. Unless we take this step, I don't think we're going to get to that place that we all want to be. Like we all want a higher pay rate in this industry, but until we can break that, you know, traditional model of treating everyone the same. And I understand, you know, why that is, right? It's the standard pay rate uh, because in the past we haven't had access to data to differentiate each other, to say, hey, this person actually is doing twice as many surgical instruments per day at this high quality level and their peers. Therefore, we can incentivize them or reward them for doing so. So is it going to solve the problem? Is it the silver bullet that's going to take us from zero to 60? No. But as I said, it's the first step to begin this data-driven conversation at, at the HR level, at that intake level, that your resume, and this is going to your question about the employee kind of differentiating, that your resume can get to the top of the pile higher than someone who maybe has more credentials or maybe someone who has more experience. If you're two years in, but you have demonstrative data that says that you're twice as productive and that you're twice as safe, then that other person's got 10 years experience with all the credentials who in the past may have been at the top of the list, 
Now you've got a leverage and a bargaining chip that before you never had. Now, going back to the HR piece, it definitely gives them a mechanism to make more competitive offers. In their defense, they're doing the best they can. You know, they have to look at credentials, have to look at experience, and that's all that they have because this type of data has not been present or at least has not been as present as it could be in the resumes of these frontline technicians. So yeah, it definitely can provide both of those groups with a lot of uh, talking points. Well, and let's say, you know, we've got some sterile processing experts listening. How would you advise them to begin to track their data and put it to work for them on their resume? So if you're working in a department that uh, does not have a tracking system, you got to start at an earlier step and you have to begin advocating for all the reasons why. Now, typically when the conversations come up around a tracking system, no one's thinking resume, no one's thinking promotions or pay rate. All they're thinking is, hey, like we need quality, we need transparency, we need documentation, we need efficiency. All of that's true. But now you have another reason and kind of a selfish reason, maybe, but you know, maybe not. But now everyone in the department will be better positioned to be more competitive in the workplace or in the industry as a whole because they can get access to their instrument data. So if you don't have a tracking system, you've got to move toward that to really get to the depth that we've been talking about today around resumes and data. If you do have a tracking system, as I said before, all of this information is likely already there. You may not have seen it. You may not even know that it's being collected on you, but a lot of this productivity type of metrics is being stored. It's tied to your login, to your identification number. And if you ask your boss or your team lead, oftentimes you can print out your productivity report. You can print out your total numbers, especially if it's coming around that time for an annual review. And you want to come into the office with your own ammunition. Like oftentimes it's the boss who has the little paper and they're going to be reading and say, hey, this is how you did this year. Well, wouldn't it be great to walk in and say, hey, I know how I did this year. And I know compared to my peers that I did pretty dang well. Now let's have a conversation about that, that new promotion opportunity or the potential raise that's on the table. So, yeah, the answer to your question is just fairly easy. Pull the data because it's already there. And if you can't understand what the data is telling you, then I would encourage folks to go back to their tracking system partner and start asking these questions. Hey, is there a port that could be built or that's already here that I'm not aware of that could give me more of this resume focus type data that I could print out and then just attach to any future job applications or any promotion opportunities that I have? You're right. It's it's such a, a simple thing to be able to do, but it can be such a big bargaining chip. Right. So I, I love that you've kind of outlined for us how that can be done. And we're coming to the end of our conversation, but I always like to ask just kind of a fun personal question at the end. So I know you're, you've got children, you're writing a million articles, doing a million things. So I know you're a busy guy, but mm -hmm. is there something that you have been reading watching or listening to lately that you would recommend or that you would like to share? I watched the great British baking show. Um, <laughs> That's a randomly. fun one. <laughs> yep. I'm always thinking about how that is just a pressure cooker, you know, pardon the pun, of all these great bakers that 
at home, they have all the time in the world. They have all the freedom and flexibility in the world to cook according to their schedule and their recipes. And then they're thrown into this competitive environment with limited time, limited resources, specific types of bakes to bake. And at the end, you get judged on it. That analogy to sterile processing is pretty tight. We often know our jobs very, very well. It's when we get thrown into the stressful situations of time constraints, resource constraints. And then at the end of the day, we know that there's going to be a patient that's going to be using that. Like that's the ultimate judge of, did we do this right or wrong? So uh, it's a random analogy, but yeah, that's where my kind of nerd goes to <laughs> these days. Well, no, I love it. I That show is a lot of fun and you're so right. I mean, it really teaches you a lot about human nature and also the human spirit when people are put under pressure like that. You know, some people really thrive in that environment. It's kind of inspiring to watch. Right. Well, Hank Balch, founder and president of Beyond Clean, thank you so much for joining us today on the show and educating us on how that instrument tracking data can be a resume goldmine for a career. I know there are probably a lot of resumes being updated right now as we speak. So thank you for sharing all that information. That's right. I'm looking forward to seeing that data on some future resumes that I get. So hopefully we <laughs> encourage some folks out there. Absolutely. And I want to thank everybody for tuning into the episode of the Consensus Podcast. If you like what you heard today, you can check out more episodes of the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we'll be back with another episode pretty soon. So watch for that. But until then, I have been your host, Hillary Kennedy. Thanks for joining us.